As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Standing Room Only Podcast. Yes, I'm your host, Ben Standing, and I cover the Washington Commanders for The Athletic. Which means that I was in the happiest place in the city of Philadelphia tonight, which of course <laughs> was the Washington Commanders locker room post game after a stunning win over the Philadelphia Eagles. The NFL's last undefeated team is no more. Uh, the Eagles fall 32 21 to the Commanders. Quite the game for Washington. On so many levels. Um, I'm talking to you guys. It's like roughly, I don't know, four in the morning in Philadelphia. Done my written work. Debated not doing a podcast, not doing a podcast. Uh, Decided to bang out something here really quick just to give everybody a little bit of feel for what happened tonight. And uh, since I'm just doing this solo, I'll play some sound post game from both Terry uh, Taylor Heineke and Terry McLaurin, of course, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or on The Athletic for an ad-free version, because uh, obviously I will have a lot more to discuss as this week goes on. In addition, check out The Athletic uh, story up in the morning as well. Okay, uh, quick thoughts. <laughs> Look, obviously, you know, Washington was an 11-point underdog going into this game. And based on what we've seen to this point, it was hard to say that they were going to pull off the win. What, though, did we discuss this week? What did I write about this week? I wrote about turnovers. Turnovers are always important, right? But the disparity in this game, this matchup, was jarring. Philadelphia, plus 15 turnover margin. The second best team in the league was roughly half that. Uh, Washington was minus four in turnover margin, and in terms of turnover rate, Philadelphia was number one, Washington dead last. If they were going to turn this around, Washington needed to figure out a way to start getting these turnovers. They've been talking for weeks and weeks about they know they'll come, and when they do, they'll come in bunches. They all repeat some version of what I just said over and over again. Tonight it happened. Even though Taylor Heineke had two turnovers, an interception, and a fumble, Washington won the turnover battle 4-2. to two. Uh, Derek Forrest, Benjamin St. Just, and Jamin Davis all um, 
were involved in in the various fumbles. Casey Tuhill picked one up at the end of the game after Philadelphia was kind of uh, trying to do the lateral thing, and he scored a one-yard touchdown to to give them the 11-point win. Um, the turnover matchup, so the turnover battle was one aspect of this. Then you had the time of possession aspect. Wow, did Washington dominate here? Now, part of it is because, uh, like when Taylor Heineke had his first, uh, he fumbled early in the game. Philadelphia quickly turned that into a one-yard Jalen Hurts touchdown for a 7-0 lead. You know, things like that happen that are going to um, give the other side, you know, when you score the quick touchdowns like that, the other team's probably going to have the time of possession, but you don't care if you get the points. Except that Washington then followed up with five possessions in a row, scoring touchdowns. Almost all of them were just incredibly long drives. They stuck to the run game. Brian Robinson, uh, 26 carries, had some really, really aggressive runs, including his a couple right around the goal line. He really worked hard against an Eagles front that the team felt was beatable. Without Jordan Davis, Philadelphia's first-round pick, the defensive tackle, uh, we saw last week Houston got after Philadelphia on the ground. Washington was able to do that here as well. They also converted one third down after another. Taylor Heineke and Terry McLaurin in particular really seemed to have a good connection on third down. Washington was 9 of 12 in the first half alone. All of that, not only did that lead to Washington points, it, as Ron Rivera said, it gave them the best way to slow down Jalen Hurts, and that was by keeping him on the sideline. And as sometimes as basic as it is, we, we get caught up in football of, you know, make the big plays, these fancy offensive calls, whatever. Win the turnover battle, control the clock. You can do that. I would imagine the percentage is you're going to win far more than you won't. And Washington did that today. Um, you know, Taylor Heineke, on all, just, just go back to the offense. You know, Taylor Heineke made some really nice, daring throws. He also made really a couple of really heady plays. One in particular it was one play where a snap, as we also went over his head, <clears throat> the, the standard play at that point is fall on the ball. Right, just just make sure you don't lose possession. But Heineke picked it up a relatively clean bounce, and seeing as how Washington was already in good position around midfield, he decided to uh, throw it back towards the line of scrimmage. So he threw it at effectively out of bounds, but past the sticks. Thus, it wasn't, and since he was out of pocket, it was not grounding, um, <clears throat> and that really helped save um, some field position there in Washington would go on uh, to score. When the offense bogged down, the field Joey Sly delivered four field goals, including one from 58, one from 55. The wind was going in that direction. Both of his kicks were in the same direction. He told, uh, he told me after the game that it's not so much that the wind was pushing it in that direction, though clearly there was some help, but he felt pretty good pregame. He, he booted a 61-yarder, he said, in that direction and felt that he had a good feel for the for the you know aim of where he needed to go and was able to not just get it in between the uprights really boot it he he also had a 55 yarder in the fourth quarter uh, right after Jamin Davis and John Ridgeway forced a fumble uh, 
that's one of those plays where next time somebody says or you think Washington never gets a break from the ref, go back and look at that one. Jamin Davis with a clear face mask on uh, Eagles tight end Dallas Goddard, but the refs didn't see it. Davis recovered the fumble, led to the sly field goal. Um, lastly, on offense, well, actually two more things on offense. One, Terry McLaurin, what a monster. Uh, we already know he's a really good receiver. But he's really, really jacked up the attitude, and I mean that in a positive way. He was such a tone setter today. I believe a couple people said they could hear him on the broadcast after one catch yelling at Philadelphia, don't put a safety on me. Um, he really, you know, like I said, it's one thing to, he got over 100, he had, a, what, 128 yards on eight catches. Both were just shy of career highs. Um, but he really did, as I said, set the tone for what they were doing out there. And he obviously just gives Taylor Heineke such a reliable target to boot. Um, and then lastly, it'll give credit to the to the uh, offensive line, combination of the line and Heineke. But I believe Heineke was only sacked one time. Uh, you know, th- this is the same team that sacked Carson Wentz nine times in their first meeting. Um, one, one just note here on the line, Cornelius Lucas started a right tackle per usual, but Sam Cosme came in at one point, and they ultimately split reps. I was told that that was the plan. It was not an injury. That was the plan. Um, so interesting to see where that goes moving forward. Defensively, the, the secondary, let's just go there. The secondary, the young guys are just playmakers, right? Uh, Derek Forrest, an interception and a fumble recovery. Uh, Benjamin St. Just, who has been sort of the man in the middle of co- constant big, big or interesting plays over the last few weeks. Uh, you know, <clears throat> it seems like whenever, like last week, he gets the pick six against the Vikings. Uh, in this game, he got tagged for a pass interference call early, and it just kind of felt like it was going to be one of those games where he was right there a lot, but just seemed to be on the wrong end of things. Well, that changed in the fourth quarter. <laughs> Philadelphia down two points, gets a 50-yard pass from Hertz to Quez Watkins, and it looked like Watkins might be able to run it in to the end zone. He falls down, gets up, but as he gets up, um, St. Hughes comes from behind, tackles him, knocks the ball away, Forrest picks it up for uh, for the recovery. And between those two guys, Cam Curl, uh, they are really uh, making plays. Um, and, and that's, you know, when they talk about turnovers coming in bunches, that's what you're – it's one thing to sort of say that, but you have to have the guys with that aggressive mindset to do that. And those, th- those guys in particular – Really stand out. Kendall Fuller had some nice plays as well in uh, in coverage. You know, last game, Devonta Smith and A.J. Brown just wrecked this defense. Washington, by and large, kept the big plays to a minimum and uh, really made a huge difference. Um, no doubt I'm forgetting some things. There was a lot of crazy plays in this game for sure, uh, I'm sure you know. I'll, I'll be interested to go back and watch 
the replay and get a feel for <clears throat> for what the view that you guys all had on television. Uh, you know, <laughs> being at the stadium, you could hear the Eagles fans getting upset on certain calls. And, you know, even the Philadelphia writers, you know, they, they're looking at this game from their own perspective. Not to say that they necessarily thought one way or the other about some of the calls. But, you know, <clears throat> I think everybody on the Philly side was kind of stunned by what happened. And I will say this, admittedly, didn't I did not pick Washington to win. But when I was trying to figure out the weakness here, one thing I always think about with teams who are in the in Philadelphia's position, that is, have they been able to, have they had a moment where they've had a challenge? Because until you have that first or second challenge from another opponent, you don't quite know how you're going to stand up in that moment, right? I mean, the Vikings week after week after week now are constantly either coming back or in a late game battle as we saw Washington and then as we saw this past week in a great game against uh, the Buffalo. The Eagles had not trailed at halftime when Washington had a second a lead late in the second quarter. That was already the deepest into a game Philly has trailed this year. Now, I'm not saying that they folded or anything late, but you know, they were definitely the team that seemed far more undisciplined in this one than Washington did. So, huge win for Washington, to say the least. Five and five. Um, you know, they're firmly in the wild card chase. And, you know, because the defense has been playing so well, and this was such a signature win, you know, we can, at least I'm going to do my best to stop viewing this as, you know, a team you don't really believe in now to a team that, you know, clearly has shown that they can, you know, stand toe-to-toe with some of the better teams in what's a very much a down NFC. Is that enough to to go deep? Well, obviously, we still have a long way to go before we really have to have that conversation. The interesting conversation, of course, will be the one we have on Tuesday with Ron Rivera, particularly regarding the quarterback situation. Uh, he has said he has not yet said what his plan is. He talked about. Uh, I asked him about this tonight. He said we'll deal with that tomorrow. <sighs> you know, look, I, I said this week, going on the assumption that they would potentially lose this game, that I would imagine Rivera turns back to Carson Wentz. Now that they won, they're three and one in Heineke's four starts. You know. I, I concur that quarter that, that wins are not a quarterback stat, but it's hard to argue that this team has not been largely more efficient and you know they're playing better collectively now. I don't really know how you go back to Wentz, assuming he is ready to go after um, recovering from this uh, finger fracture. He is eligible to return this week after missing four games, so that's why it's up for you know, up, up to, up to Rivera to make a call here. Um, it's a relatively short week or not relatively short, but it's a subtly short week there. They have the one day less of practice because of the Monday night. I could, I've said before, I could see that being a reason for Rivera to punt down, punt his decision down the road, assuming Wentz is even able to come back now, but we'll be huge. I, like I said, I don't know how I'm sitting Heineke at this point after a win like that. Um, Heineke was asked about it post game, and um, you'll you'll hear a little bit about that here in a minute from him about where his thoughts are on that. Um, just, and just lastly, and kind of what I wrote about in my story today on the Athletic, there were two kind of scenes in the locker room. 
there were the players just absolutely fired up, uh, lit, as Cam Sim said, um, because obviously this is a massive win. They're dancing, they're standing on stools, they're singing, uh, you know, rap music is blaring, they're having a great time. And any other component was Rivera himself, who obviously not only has he gone through so much over these last three years here, but um, you know his mother recently passed away. The funeral was on Monday. He comes back from that to deal with the Dan Snyder statement um, that mentions Brian Robinson's shooting. That leads to some some uproar. They're already dealing with coming you know that loss last week to the Vikings. He's got this quarterback thing looming. All that they find a way to get the win and. Um, if you haven't seen it yet, you can go check out the commander's Twitter page or my Twitter page. Uh, they posted video of <coughs> Rivera post game in the locker room before we got in there. He's talking to the players. We've seen these speeches. He gives the Newt Rockney type speech. Well, I guess it's more of the, the raw, raw post game speech, but you know what I mean? He only was able to spit out a few words. Um, and basically just saying that his mother, Dolores, who passed away recently, um, following a, ba- a battle of cancer, you know, she would have loved to have seen this. And players over and over again in the locker room uh, expressed their not not so much their support for Rivera in like a in in a rote kind of a way, but like it seemed to me a very very genuine and sincere connection with this man who's helped guide them through so much over these last. Over these three seasons, and I, I tweeted today that I think we need to all stop asking the question of whether these guys are distracted with all the chaos, because we know there'll be more Dan Snyder news to come, whether it's the Mary Jo White investigation, Congress, or who knows what else. The players are fine, <laughs> you know. Even this week, um, you know, they were a little bit upset from what I gather from what they said regarding Brian Robinson's inclusion in that statement, but. The mood in there has just remained steady and solid. Um, I still don't know that this team is a real contender, considering neither you know, both quarterbacks have limitations. And, you know, I think the debate for Rivera on some level has got to be weighing the moment versus weighing the future. He's not, I, I, I just don't buy that he's going to view Taylor Heineke as a long term starter. Um, but at the same point, Taylor Heineke's probably going to give them his best chance to win the next game. And the next game is what matters to a guy like him. And it's certainly what matters to the players. So the player, he was emotional. They were emotional for him and <laughs> it's understandable why they were all, uh, celebrating, uh, loudly and proudly after that huge, huge win. Um, all right. So Rivera will talk on Tuesday afternoon. We'll get a sense from him about just, you know, Anything else going on with this team? I don't did not note any injuries, but there's always something that potentially comes up, so we'll see about that. And then other than that, um, you know, presumably the schedule will be somewhat normal um, ahead of the game in Houston. I will be there. We've got a few days to go before we get there. All right. Um, that's it for me. I will play you guys out with this, though. Here's a little bit of Taylor Heineke. Um, just first his thoughts on the game and then talks about what this game meant for him as well as uh, where his head is at regarding the quarterback position. And then, and then a, uh, <clears throat> a clip from Terry McLaurin. I actually missed McLaurin. I was in the locker room when he spoke, but I guess, but you'll hear he, 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 he mentions 
and he mentions Art Monk, and I, apparently the reason why he does this is that before the last game, uh, Eagles coach Nick Sirianni did a press conference wearing a Mike Quick jersey and said something to the effect of that Mike Quick was, I, I, I'm not sure if he he jabbed at Washington or just praised Mike Quick. In any event, McLaurin, uh, with that in mind, <laughs> came up with his own bit with some praise for Art Monk, which of course, as we all know, is well, well deserved. Um, all right. That's going to be it for me. I will do. I will play these other clips right now, but that'll be it for me. I'll catch you guys later in this week. But for now, here's some Taylor Heineke and Terry McLaurin to send you off into the week as Washington gets ready for the Houston Texans on Sunday. Um, you know, a big part of it was, was running the ball. Uh, we saw on film against the Texans that they were kind of getting after him a little bit. So we felt like we have a really good offensive line and good backs to do the same thing. So. Uh, run the ball and, and stay on the stay on the field in third downs. I think we converted a lot of third downs today. Kind of keep our offense on the off, on the field, keep their offense off, and you know we had long sustaining drives. Where we when we got in the in the red zone, we scored. So if we can keep doing that, um, you know, I feel really good about this team. I'd probably say it's probably the biggest win of my career. Um, again, you know, it's a division opponent, undefeated, their place Monday night. Can't can't get much better than that. Yeah, um, even just from last year, I feel a lot more comfortable out there, a lot more confident, and um, you know, I just understand what I need to do and not to do in order to win games. So, uh, to get a win like this, it's it's just a huge confidence booster for our team, and you know, we're excited to keep it going. Yeah, I could have, um, but I, you know, we were at midfield there, and I felt like. You know, the ball, it wasn't a crazy bounce. I kind of picked it up clean. Um, so I wanted to pick it up clean and make sure I wasn't about to get hit and then try to get outside the box and, and get it past the line of scrimmage. So, um, yeah, that might have been one of the biggest plays um, that no one's really going to talk about. Being at 500 now, you head to the final seven weeks of the season, you're thinking about what this team is now, right? I mean, they're pretty good. You're still down on a uh, you know, our, our sole focus is on the, the Texans for next week. But again, you know, we, we understand where we're at and we just need to keep winning. Uh, the guys come in every day and work hard. So, you know, I'm very excited where we're at. Not at all. Um, again, you know, I said it back in OTAs. You know, we, we brought Carson in to be the starter. And if, if my number was called, I'd, I'd be ready to go in. So, um, you know, whatever decision they, they want to make, um, let's go. You know, if, I, if I'm backing up Carson next week, great. I'm going to help him any way I can to, to get ready for that Texans game. So, um, you know, the biggest thing for me, let's, let's just go win. Let's keep winning, uh, whether me playing or not. First off, shout out to Art Monk. Heard some things, but uh, shout out to Art Monk. He's a great, he's a great mentor. Um, so, just want to start by that. But um, I think the emotion in that locker room is a, a culmination of a team that's been resilient throughout this year, had ups and downs, um, but we never waver. We never quit on each other. And, um, you know, we had confidence coming in this game if we can make it a four-quarter game, um, if we can um, set the tone physically um, and make plays down the field, convert on third downs. Um, you know, we felt like we had a chance to, to win this game. And, you know, that's a great team over there. Obviously, you could tell by their record, but NFC East football, you never know what can happen. And, you know, um, 
we're just proud of the way we came out today. Defense did a great job getting turnovers. Offense, um, you know, finished when we need to. Special teams did a great job as well. And um, when you win, it feels good. But when you win in this fashion against a, um, uh, on the road, Monday night football against a division opponent, I think it's just that much sweeter. And you can feel the emotion on top of, obviously, what Coach Rivera has been going through in his, in his personal life with his mo- mother and everything. You can just tell how much it meant to him and so many guys in this locker room. And, um, you know, we're going to enjoy this one on the way home. And, uh, you know, it's a quick turnaround with it being Monday. But we're going to enjoy this on the, on the flight back, enjoy the off day, and get ready for the Texans. Uh, just love that guy, man. I just, I just love him. And uh, um, I appreciate him for what he's done um, in, in the league, but also how he's mentored our receiver group and the way he spent his time. Gary Clark as well, um, you know. All those guys, they, they just really set the tone, and it, it really forces our receiver group to come out there and, and play at a high level because we know um, they set the standard. And, um, you know, I think when guys like Dayami come in and make that, that, that big play, that's a sneaky play where we, we got three points there. You know what I mean? That changed it from a two-possession game or a one-possession game to a two-possession game. Curtis making big plays. Jahan coming back, making big plays. Cam, what he does. Um, you know, I just, I'm, I'm really glad to be a part of a receiver group that we have.